Welcome back to another Ag Watchers. Uh, we've got a guest coming in all the way from sunny WA. He's managed to get through all of the border controls and uh, all of the restrictions to get on the podcast. Mark McGowan gave him a special dispensation. They said he had to prove that you couldn't get COVID across a Zoom call, uh, but he's, he's here. We've got Doug Fitch, CEO of AgWorld. Uh, Doug, thanks for thanks for coming along. Can you give us give us a very short, two, 20 second, 30 second thing, who you are, who AgWorld is, and and then we'll go off from there. We've got a few surprises. Sure. Yeah, no, great to be on board uh, with you guys, Andrew and Matt, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. Look, AgWorld kicked off in 2009, just solving problems for sustainability effectively, effectively around crop production. And uh, we've been doing that right through till now, 2021, and just been acquired by an international company called Semios. And uh, I'll remain at the helm of AgWorld in the, in the years ahead. And you're a farmer as well, or farming family back down farming the road? Family back, farming family, yeah. Where, where about, where about you're, you're down near Corrigan, is that right? Uh, yeah, we're out at Bruce Rock, Narrow Bruce Rock. Yep. area, yep, in the central wheat belt of WA. So uh, about 300 mils of rainfall uh, per annum, although a lot more this year. Yeah, yeah, well, it's shaping up to be decent apart from those frosts. But mm. So, so you, you've been a farmer who's gone from, from effectively a farmer to an IT professional, really, in big, big change. But we'll, but we'll talk about that in a bit because, you know, we're going for a second week in a row. Matt, do you want to, you want to start it off? Yeah. You can, you, you, gonna, can, you, you can explain it. I was going to jump in uh, and I was just waiting for, for you to catch a breath for me to jump in, Andrew. It's a bit tricky, so I'm not stuck. Um, but uh, we're going to roll like we did with, uh, we had actually one of your, uh, uh, I was going to say countrymen, because WA lots consider themselves, I think, a little bit as, um, as separate to the main, rest of mainland Australia. But we had um, um, Stephen Bolt on um, uh, last week. Last was week? it, Andrew? Yeah, last yep. week. Uh, Got to remember, Matt, as well. When, when you, I'm also a West Australian. Well, you first came out, yeah. I, I, became, so I, be, I became a citizen in the sh- city of Stirling, so I'm I'm, I'm a Stirlingite. So, so there you go. Anyway, and it's a, named after a famous fish city for the, the Battle of Stirling with William Wallace, Andrew. Um, so, uh, so we sprung it on 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 Stephen Bolt last week. A brand new thing we brought on, Doug. Um, it's, we're calling it the Sixth Sense. So we're going to do a quick word association just to just to loosen up. So we'll throw a word at you. There's only six, that's the name, the sixth sense. And, um, and, and just we want the first thing that comes to mind just to get a bit of a picture of, of, of who uh, Doug Fitch is. So, um, Andrew, have you got one? You want to fire it off first, first one, and I'll come in after you. And, and, and so what we're looking for is short sentence or one word. Or a, fr- a phrase, phrase or one word, yeah. Exactly. We're not, not going to be too picky on you. And we will give you a psychology report afterwards. <laughs> you I know, appreciate that. Data. Ownership. Uh, connectivity. Telstra. Haggis. Handy food. Cowbells. Useless. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say Switzerland. Anyway. <laughs> well, they're useless here anyway. Ag- Agtech. Agtech. Uh, growing industry. Growing industry. McTiernan. 
Pass. <laughs> I knew. I, I thought you were trying to pull that one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I put that one to. I put the one to Bolt last last week, and he um he managed to to come out with something very very. It took a couple of seconds, didn't he, to think about it. What do you come out with? What do you come out with? Um, get, dri- driven. 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 <laughs> Fair enough. He, he he did go white for a few seconds before. Huh? <laughs> so, <laughs> so 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 that sort of look that. In, in all seriousness, like you, you passed the test. Mm. Uh, you, 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 you. Obviously, most of the pass of the test was the fact that you didn't say disgusting after haggis. Uh, <laughs> you know, Excellent. otherwise you'd be getting potentially sectioned. You'd be yeah. at, you'd be at, uh, you'd be at Nedlands Hospital, um, <laughs> sort of getting, getting, getting checked out. Uh, but, but you did raise a few points there. So, so, mm. so, I guess the first one was. An interesting one that I thought you said was data, and and you said ownership, mm-hmm. and and let's let's flesh that out a bit, yeah. I feel like actually I feel like I'm like a psychiatrist now, you know. Like <laughs> let's, let's 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 go deeper into that. You know, where where, where did your feelings about data ownership start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure where when it actually started. I guess it it started when we started AgWeb and people heard of the cloud and they weren't even sure what that was. They were still using desktop software. So once they started realising that things could go through some connective source, Telstra, up through into the cloud, they're concerned about the big brother and that was the term everybody used back in 2008 and nine, uh, you know, overseeing and seeing their data and having access to it and, and, the, and the privacy around that. So, so I guess that's where that started. Um, what do I think about it? I think it's important to understand the data you have, uh, to understand the context in which you could use it, um, and to know to know where and why it's being used. I guess because AgWorld is a like to get like I've been to a few presentations of AgWorld back in the day in, in WA. Uh, AgWorld is kind of like a almost like if you're contextualising it into like a non-IT thing, it'd be like a notebook, but a notebook, yeah, of, of records of farm, what's happening on a farm, basically, yeah? Yeah, but in a collaborative sense where you've got lots of people writing in the same notebook. Yeah, yeah. so you, you're, a, you're agronomist and, 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 yeah. and, and whatnot. Yeah. So in, in terms of that one, yeah, so, so, so if, you're, if you're a farmer, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you obviously you, you're able to sort of link up with your agronomist, maybe you're, maybe you're a nutritionist, like if you've got livestock mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. whatever else. I guess that's when you say ownership, I guess who owns that data? Yeah, so we, Peg will see themselves very much as the custodian of the data, not the owner. So, mm-hmm. so we're the place it gets stored and, and we look after it. Um, the author is the, is the owner of the uh, information that's stored in, our, in, in Ag World. So that, that's the fundamental principle by which we, we operate. So it's kind of, I guess it's all kind of gatekeepered off then. Yeah, that's right. So if uh, if a farmer records a spray record, that's his record um, of what he did. And he can choose to share that with the agronomers, which is a good idea, so they know what happened when. Um, and so that's an example of ownership. I guess a grey area which we've had to deal with is Google Maps. Uh, someone draws a boundary of a field or a paddock in, in Agworld and... Well, they drew it, but they don't, 
they don't actually own Google Maps, right? So yeah, tools and that that did it. So people have kind of worked that out over the years. It, it, at the end of the day, it's just a polygon. We've got one of our, one of our biggest uh, listeners, one of our biggest sort of listeners to this podcast is, is a good old friend of ours, Chris Hoiberg. And he, he doesn't like it when we go off on tangents. You know, he, he really hates it when we go off on tangents. I don't know why he's still listening, but <laughs> he, he listens to it, you know, religiously, and then he gets really annoyed when we go on tangents, especially if we go off on a tangent and forget what we're actually talking about previously. I was going to, I was going to say, I was mentioned, you mentioned the one you went off on, you went to go off on a tangent on the last podcast, and then in the process of explaining the tangent, you forgot what it was. And 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 Hoiberg got in touch with me regards that. Yeah. It was very funny that you and I, I said to him, I think we might start referring to him as Hoiberg tangents. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, it's a good name. But but yeah. I've I've still I've still got in mind I intentionally kept this one because I think it's a good tangent actually. Mm-hmm. You talk about data yeah and and the offer of it yeah, mm-hmm. and and it's an interesting concept because if you there was a there was a court case a couple of years ago yeah mm-hmm. where a monkey. <laughs> no, this is don't bloody laugh because this is actually true. Mm-hmm. There was a monkey stole a camera in a zoo. Mm-hmm. Or, Oh, see, see, you take that I, I back. I remember this. I remember this. Yeah, yes. So, so this monkey stole a camera. It was either from like a, a zoo or a sanctuary or whatever else. It stole a camera for a tourist, grabbed it, yeah, and then took a picture of itself, like a, like a selfie. Yeah. Went like that. And so there was this picture. It went viral because it was, you know, and then it became worth a lot of money. Like mm-hmm. the amount of money that was coming in from news papers saying oh can we get a copy of that and they paid a couple of grand to put it in the newspaper and say here's a funny story mm-hmm. and then the zoo took out legal action and said the person who owns the camera oh the the, the being pardon the being that oh yeah oh, sorry okay i'm jumping in yeah calm down uh, so what happened was there was a legal court case which said well the person who owned the camera didn't actually take that picture it was the person who presses the button who owns the copyright of that picture and in this case it was a monkey so that's a bit of a tangent but it is the same sort of thing whoever does that spray record like if it's if it's the farmer he owns i guess in theory the 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 intellectual property of that same sort of thing as what you're saying but Uh, but with a monkey yeah, yeah. So if we if we switch that around, get away from the monkey thing and just talk about, say, you know, you have large uh, retail businesses in Australia who pay for subscriptions for their agronomy staff. Um, their agronomy staff are doing the work, but they have an understanding and agreement that they are doing the work on behalf of, and they pay the subscription, and all that yeah. author data belongs to that agronomist at the time, but it actually belongs to the company. Yeah, and they depart. That's where it stays. Um, at the very outset, and you were talking about what you do there, um, you mentioned the actual word sustainability as part of what the focus is. And then uh, for a second there, I thought we had a different person on, you know, because you don't often hear sustainability referencing something in that kind of data IT kind of space. Can you, mm-hmm. can you flesh that out for me in terms of how you see that, what you do in AgWell as being, um, you know, in that sustainability bucket rather than an yeah. IT type. So I don't look at it, um, so sustainable sustainable things, I, I guess I look at it as in not just about 
you know, tree hugging greeny type sustainable. You know, it's like farmers, Matt. Yeah, farmers <laughs> like Matt. It's uh, farmers. Uh, you know, they're not environmental terrorists. They look after their natural capital. So we make that assumption, and they do the best they can because that's what they earn their living off. But sustainability in terms of you know, is the cropping system I got sustainable? Is it? Is, can I continually repeat that? Will the environment let me do that? Will my financials be sustainable if I do that? What is my agronomic cropping plan? Have the human capital that I employ, uh, are they able to carry that out year after year, armor machines, et cetera? And, and what's my technology plan? Is that, have I got something in place that is able to be iterated on and, and grow with the business? So I look at sustainability a little more, bit more holistically and all of that, actually links back to succession planning, ultimately, particularly with family farms where you're handing it over and you hand over for your million, multi-million dollar asset to a young guy or girl that's come out of uni that's come back to the farm, has got zero years of experience but plenty of passion and you've got a low margin, you can't transfer it in your head. So you've got to have a, a system around doing all of that. So when I look at sustainability, I my head goes to succession planning and how, how do you hand that asset on from generation to generation? Um, and, uh, and, and those other factors are the things that all make that up. And, and then so from the data perspective is that, 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 you know, the underlying of all those decision-making and strategic things that are done on farm, it all stems from what that data can show. And that's where the, the data yeah. comes in. Yeah? yeah, I think so. I think, you know, you, you one piece of data you can't do much with. Two pieces, you could probably, if you were to graph it, you could draw a line going in a direction, but three pieces you can make a curve, right? And so three data points. So I kind of look at it like the more, the years of data you have, it's like the years of data in your head. Yep. How do you get that down there and how do you drive decisions? And and they are, they are about, you know, crop production. They are about how that informs your financials and and that ultimately informs your succession plan. Look, and, and that's that's similar to what we look at. We we look at things on a on a sort of a more macro basis than a individual farm basis. So we look mm-hmm. at and and look, there's there's a certain period where we've got some data sets going back, you know, 120 years. You know, is that valid for analytical purposes? No. It's pretty cool though. Yeah. Uh, but but really, if you're looking back at farming, for instance, if I'm looking at yields. I don't, yeah. it's not really important to know what the yields were like in 1910. No. But if we're looking past the last 20 years, there's a sort of, there's, there's, a, there's a gap between not enough information, you know, two years, three years, 10 yeah. years, good, 20 years, fantastic, 30, 40 beyond, not really that viable other than, you know, just historic interest, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the things, obviously you've been around for, let's say 12 years, give or take, and um, mm-hmm. slightly more than that. Mm-hmm. What, one of the issues is, you started off at the early stage, yeah? You yeah. started you started off when well the iPhone was just out? Yeah, iPhone was just out, iPad wasn't out. So we had a digital pen. That was our first device to record data on a pen, on a piece of paper and shoot it through your mobile phone to the cloud to text recognize it and turn it into text. So that was our beginning. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Was that successful or with, with, with farm, farmers, well, ha- farmers' handwriting being quite similar to doctors' handwriting? Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> you want them to write within the box and, you know, it's a, 
you know, they weren't having to change process because they're writing something down with a pen, but they're yeah. legi- being legible. And it got to learn that and it had sort of a 80 to 90% accuracy, but then it required an extra step. And who wants to do that? No one. Yeah. So, so, so in terms of getting people to, to let's talk, if we forget about the digital pen, we talk about the thing that we all know is iPhones and iPads and, yeah. and whatnot. Was there, was there a sort of, those early adopters would have been the people who are really interested in that kind of stuff. That's that's pretty pretty easy to get them on board to an extent. They 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 see a, a value in it. Is, is there a bit of a challenge, you know, getting people to move across to this fully electronic platform where there is a little bit of difficulty? How do they get their? Is there a difficulty getting their existing data that might be on paper lying around, or has that been something that's easy enough to do? I think um, in the early days, you know, iPads when they first came out. You know, I remember my business partner, Matt, down at the store saying, going to buy this thing called an iPad. I'd never seen one. And he's like, it's going to be awesome. I'm like, great. Who's going to use it? Farmer's going to use it? Oh, I think we can get him to use it. But I said, well, does it work online, offline? No. So it doesn't work if there's no signal? No. Well, there's no signal out at our place. So, like, how do we use that, right? So we went from building an online, offline tool and you think, okay, well, that makes it really enticing for growers but the actual thing was it's one more th- you've got to change you've got to have a process change pen and paper were working great unless your notebook went through the wash right yeah and 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 your business is like oh, i've just washed your notebook again that's okay i'll get another one from elders and i'll write more records <laughs> that tended to be how it went right so so we ended up talking to growers and those early adopters were like yep it's only $900 for an iPad, so I'll get one. And this is before we had apps that could go on the phones. So, and real estate size of screen was a big thing. Yeah. So getting them to go from that and then it going from, well, the kids have got one, they like to play with my iPad and it's flat all the time when I use it, to turning it into a business tool, that's been a real journey. So we were actually buying iPads off growers, helping them set up an iTunes account setting the passwords for them, sending all the wrong things that you would do today, you know, <laughs> security-wise, but sending it all out, you know, yeah. it's your name plus your... Welcome, zip, one, two, three. password, all that crap. And we're just sitting there going, right, and we got them out there. And then people, mainly the consultants, to their credit, you know, all the independent consultants and, and, and agronomists uh, out in the retail network were the ones, once they got past their IT things, people that got it going. It's them, the advisors that led the way, showed what their use was, and then the farmers started to adopt them more. And I think that once the iPhones got better and bigger screens, that became a better thing as well for us. So, 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 so if, if you look at the data that's going into AgWorld, would you say most of it is getting input by like the advisors and agronomists than, than the farmers themselves, or is it sort of switched to half-half? Or is it- uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be half-half. I would say. Um, I would also say that 90, 90 plus percent of it is done by, you know, the like the the farmer is the one that is recording all the actual, all the in-field stuff. There's very yep. few advisors doing that for their farmers. It, when it started out, it was the other way around, but it's flipped over. And, okay. and then you see the agronomists typically do all the planning for the growers. As growers have gone, I can do planning for myself. 
but it's not the actual planning, it's the thinking, right? Yeah. So they go back, end up going back and getting working with their advisor. And I think that's that's a great um, because two heads are better than one. Like um, at the outset there, one of the sixth sense questions then, I think after Andrew's was connectivity and you mentioned Telstra, which was which was a good thing because Andrew Telstra's a sponsor of this podcast. No, we don't have we don't have sponsors. Oh, sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, um, sponsors. <laughs> no, but um, now you mentioned Telstra, but I was just thinking like part of that connectivity story and, you, and you've alluded to it now as well, where you said with the iPad, how what, did they work online, offline at the start? And the mm. answer was no. And obviously, a lot of that's changed now. But just generally, obviously, the technology is advanced from the outset, and we've got you know much more, I guess, flexible systems in terms of the hardware. Um, but is is connectivity to a degree still a bit of a barrier or an issue, or is the fact that we you know, what you're doing there with some of that collecting of the data can be done offline, and then when you get to an online situation, that's where it can you know do what it does in the background, or, or is it from mm. your perspective, would you like to see? Connectivity in the in 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 those kind of areas that are still struggling in regional Australia to yeah. get the right levels of connectivity. Would you would, would that increasing or getting better? Would that be good or bad for your business? Or out of these days, you, you've you kind of worked around it. Yeah. Look, I think uh, look, we've we've got the online offline thing going, and that that solved a real problem and allowed people to see what they needed to see. And it would the art of it was getting it to you know sync up just the data that had changed in the background and and not hinder people's daily workflow, right? So there's a lot of a lot of work in the trenches out in field getting that done. Connectivity, I've lived in the US and been three years in Colorado and travelled all through the US, 330 million people or whatever, minus whatever was from COVID. But you know, at the end of the day, you're like you think there'd be cellular networks everywhere and there's not. And Australia's no different. And, you know, we use, and I've got my Uta Cellfi booster, you know, just so I can get range. It's better than CDMA days, but I still struggle to get 4G wherever I go. We've got the NPN, which is another topic on its own, but I think, you know, what Elon Musk is putting up in terms of the Skylink stuff, I think it's called, as what? well, but satellites... I think that's going to be the saving grace and it's going to give, you know, the sky musters or whatever they call themselves that are providing those satellite dishes now, it's going to give them an absolute run for their money. Well, that's, that's, an, that's, that's, an that's going to be awesome. That's an interesting point because I, I sent Matt some yeah, uh, just some, today, some, actually. some speed test data on, yeah. on, on Starlink. Starlink. And, and it was like somebody, like I live in a small town and, somebody had put up their test data because they're testing their beta yeah. tester for, for Starlink. Yeah. And some of the numbers, like you're talking downloads of 250. Yeah. Uh, uploads of, you know, between seven and 30, which is still decent and mm. and like good levels. And you're like, well, I've got fiber and I'm a, about three times better. You just, don't have to boast. You don't have to but, boast. But, 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 you know, but it's, but it is good numbers. Like that's, if you compare it to Sky Muster and stuff, yeah, they can't get anywhere near that. I'm, uh, so this is the bane of the podcast, and Andrew. Sometimes I'm I'm on uh, satellite NBN where I am here. Yeah, and I'd be lucky as a download to get two seven is pretty pretty decent download for me. Mm. Um, so you, well, you said Andrew two hundred and seventy, so you know it's a hundred times better than what I'm getting now, just yeah. with a different type of satellite system. Mm. Well, it's low it's low orbit satellite. Yeah. so that's yeah. so I think that's Matt. After seeing that data set from from this this person in town, I think it's time you sign up for it. Mm -hmm. 
100, 100, 100, don't don't wait around, Matt. Yeah, don't worry about. I might see if uh, I might see if Telstra can sponsor me to sign up to. Um, yeah, Elon Musk. I tell you what, it's pretty competitive, and yeah, and yeah, you know, no, to, to your other question there, you know, will that harm Agwell's business? No, um, we're we're all about moving with the times, making sure that you know the connectivity, connectivity, regular connectivity or unbroken connectivity, uh, is awesome because it means people can just continually add in the information, but it also means that sensor networks, type sensors mm. that you can put in field for information that we wouldn't have once been able to get because it would have been useless, mm. uh, trying to set up some big low-end low, low network type thing. Uh, I want to say that after a few beers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, that, that, that sort of tech is going to be useful in some places, but I, I do think the... Uh, the low orbit satellites are going to really change what we do in ag, and I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to, I mean, it's going to open up. There's things that you're doing now, that, and there's things that you're not doing now that you don't even realise you could be doing as a yeah. business. Once you've got that level of connectivity, and like you said, you've got all these other sensors and stuff on farm that's feeding data in automatically now, right, because yeah. there's constant, there's constant um, connectivity. You could, be, gonna... you could be watching Squid Game whilst you harvest <laughs> on, on Netflix. You know, yeah. you, you know, it's not it's not just the, uh, you know, the, the scientific and, and the ag tech stuff. It's just the, yeah. there's the, the social stuff. You could be you could be on MSN Messenger or MySpace. Yeah. You know, talking <laughs> to your friends. Showing your aids there, mate. MySpace. Yeah. Is that still? Yeah. You, yeah. you complain that I'm the old one, the old fuddy daddy on, in the group and, and you're referencing MySpace. Um, it's It's hipster. It's like, it's like, it's, 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 it's like. He's going to get his vinyl records out. It's like, it's like vinyl. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so one of, one of the points you made, Matt, Matt, Matt mentioned earlier on about how you mentioned sustainability. Yeah, mm. one one of the things that we we see more and more of is uh, environmental stuff. Uh, you know, like people saying, "How much chemical have you used in this paddock? You know, how much fertilizer have you used?" Blah blah blah. The, the, is software like AgWorld? Does that have the do you think there's a, a place in the future where, where, where farmers are going to get so told, you know, you have to prove the whole supply chain? You know, there'll be somebody auditing to say how much glyphosate have you used? Like, a, a, obviously, the farmer is, is, I'm assuming the farmer would be saying, I've put down X number of litres of glyphosate uh, on this paddock, paddock, you know, the soldier's paddock or whatever he wants to call it. Yeah. Is, is that another function that maybe isn't needed but is potentially there? Uh, if, you've not, uh, if, you, if, you, if you've not got it, it's copyrighted by me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> we can do a joint patent or something because um, we share the idea or whatever. But um, no, in the, in the US, actually, that um, total amount applied per season is already in California. So atrazine is one of those. Um, yep. And so you've got to go, you've got to submit your recommendations and records through the Ag Commissioner's office. And then they say, yes, you can put that on. It can't be more than so much per season. So your cumulative amount. Um, we're fortunate in Australia, I guess, where we do a lot of self-industry regulation ourselves as from a grower's perspective. And, and, and that's a good thing, uh, I think. I think, though, that what's going to come is out of Europe, you're seeing more uh, changes of old chemistry uh, being pulled back mm. on biologicals and things that we once didn't think 
we would use on wide scale will replace some of that older chemistry, not all. Um, and I think there'll be new styles of thinking around chemistry as well about how that's applied. So I don't think farmers need to panic about that, but I think the recording of it and provenance are things of this is how I grew my crop. Um, and this is the way I, I, these are my best practices and I need a, a, some sort of level of compliance, which you do with canola today and your exports yep. and so forth. I think those are, are good um, for the industry. The thing I don't like is where the grower becomes a compression point to do all of that, but there's no gain. So he's now got to sit down and do a whole lot of work to get that information to be able to sell his grain. And so we're trying to try and make sure that if you're entering your records in ag, well, that, that's an output of the system that you can run a compliance report on yeah, yeah, yeah. that. So the Better Cotton Initiative out of the US, for example, people sell their cotton to North Face with Pima cottons and all that, and they just push the button and that's done. Um, and you can do a similar thing with canola here in Australia. So I think those programs will continue, but I think growers from a supply chain perspective, growers need to be rewarded for what they for do, that, yeah. not, not just requested to do something, right? And, and, that, and that's the interesting thing. Like I came from, I came from the UK 12 years ago. And one of the things that surprised me was how little, and farmers in Australia say we've got too much paperwork, yeah? <laughs> and what always used to surprise me is I used to think back to how much paperwork you do in the UK as a farmer. I used to think, guys, you don't know what is coming. Yeah. Like at some point, what happens in the UK, what happens in Europe goes everywhere else. And, and, yeah. and, and having something to ease that burden is obviously pretty pretty damn valuable really yeah and in the uk they're putting a lot of ground back to trees right under this green deal thing that they've got going on and subsidies are declining for them as well so they've taken a bit of a double hit and then they're getting more paperwork on top of that so yeah i think we're in a good position in australia we've got pretty innovative farmers we've got a good industry and good industry bodies i think we punch above our weight pretty well um but yeah there's there's more stuff to come, um, but we shouldn't panic. We should just think about, like we usually do, oh, okay, what's the most practical way of dealing with it? How, how do we fix it? Yeah. Just, just circling back a little bit on that data scenario and the ownership thing again, Doug, and something I've been mulling over, and it was it's something that's been in our mind, Andrew, for a while. We had a bit of a run-in. I won't mention the company in question, but we had a bit of a run-in with regards to ownership data in relation to a post farm gate kind of one of these platforms that has a market. No, we 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 didn't actually. That was a previous company we worked for. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> we're aware of we're aware of we're aware of an issue with a, yeah, and and it was all to do with this this kind of platform that was basically buying and selling platform. Um, and and our argument was that once it's there and you have got multiple people involved in the data there as a, a seller and the platform that runs it like an exchange like the ASX or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's that's basically everyone's data because it's market data, right? Whereas the farm data that's being collected on farmers, as like you're saying, as the ownership sits with the the person gener- creating it, mm-hmm. um, at, and there's value on farm to use that data, like what you guys do for the farmer to to help make decisions. But then as you then aggregate that data across multiple farms and regions, it becomes yeah, more good. more valuable again from a whole new level. Do the farmers, to the farmers you deal with, do they do they understand that it, there's value in that data for them, but it's not necessarily worth anything? Yeah, their data in in its isolation is useful for them, 
and it's valuable for them, but it's not worth something in in isolation. It's only worth something when it's like like for, to, to give an example. Yeah. To give an example, yeah, like if you had, if 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 you were a big trading grain trading company, yeah, the individual information from Jimmy the farmer mm. is is not really worth that much. How much grain they've they they've put in the ground, it's worth really nothing. It's probably worth nothing at all really but if you had the access to you know jimmy plus angus plus hamish mm. and everyone else in the in the shires and are these just scottish farmers they're just scottish farmers. Farmers. Yeah. what about yeah. douglas the douglas douglas, the douglas <laughs> mingus throw uh, down the pheasant onto the fire angus you know fi- fire up the range rover we've got <laughs> 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 See if you can. But, yeah. but if you can get petrol um, yeah. but the Anyway, uh, the tangents sort of lost in my train of thought now. But the, but but it, when you when you get the holistic information, like all of the data from you know a thousand farmers, then that becomes valuable. But this is where the thing is: a lot of farmers think their information is valuable to, but it's not valuable until it's amalgamated. Really, like yeah, I mean, the, the, I would agree with with that. It's not as valuable, but I, I kind of think of context and type of data. So that is a context of it's valuable to grain traders at an aggregated level or to the market. I also think that, you know, day to day, I always think of what's the type of data? Do I trust the party that I'm providing it to? Yeah. Uh, are they transparent about their terms? And am I willing to trade that? And what do I get back? Right? So they're the four T's, type, trust, transparency, and trade. That's how I think about the data. Yeah. And if you think of Apple, maps on your phone because we're talking about iphones before you trust apple to an extent because you've used it you're in their ecosystem whatever you have an opinion on that your own but then there's some terms that give transparency they're quite explicit about well we charge a premium but unlike google who use your data for x y and z we don't do that whatever and then you decide right i'm happy with those terms i'm going to trade that data and in this case, I'm going to use Apple Maps and I'm going to share my location to improve my Wi-Fi accuracy. Now, that's your per- that there is pretty personal information, right? Because now yeah. they've got a map of every place I go. You go to your girlfriend's place, you go to your home to your wife, you've got all these problems, <laughs> right? And then to your mistress. Yeah, and, and it's like, it's, so, so people are trading that information every day, right? But, and I would class that as fairly private sort of information. But... They do because they get a value out of it. So yeah, well, I think it's, it's at it's the field it's level, there's a value, right, uh, for yeah. certain data, but it loses value over time because that aggregated value for accuracy of maps goes to everybody and it's not really your where Doug yeah. Bent or Andrew or Hamish or all those other Scottish names we had gone. Yeah, uh, so, you know, that, that's kind of my view on it. But I, I guess the thing that, and this is this is the thing we we are like in a in a in a relatively new world in terms of privacy. Yeah. Like, like when you when you think about it, yeah. Like, Basically, isn't it? I don't I don't really have an issue with like my like a lot of people say, oh, you know, my missus said, oh, we don't want to use, I don't want Siri on my phone. Yeah. Or, or whatever else. Fair enough. Uh, they won't understand her anyway because she's Scottish as well. <laughs> uh, but you know, but 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 the, but the reality is so that. Like how much privacy do you give away when you're using LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. when, Matt, when Matt's doing a dance on TikTok, you yeah. know, what, whatever. You're giving away a huge amount of privacy anyway. But like exactly what you said, the reason you're doing it, you wouldn't do it unless you wouldn't give away your privacy unless you're getting something in return. Yeah. 
like like I, I'm not like I am actually not a fan of loyalty cards like calls and and woolies. I don't feel like I get anything in return. Other than maybe some flybys or yeah. whatever. But yeah. but you give away a lot of again a lot of data a lot of information. You, do. you give away a huge amount. So, so my missus uses them, but I don't because a I forget the card uh, generally mm. when I go to the shops, and and b. You don't buy anything. You don't buy anything. I only, I only buy the clearance stuff. So, <laughs> like a true Scott, if, it, if, if, it's, if, if it's not got a if it's not got a yellow sticker on it, I'm not buying it. Yeah. One yeah. uh, one of the you just see, you, stands in the store and holds it for a couple of hours until they well, put a sticker. Well, on it. I've actually, you know, it's 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 coming close to seven o'clock just now. You know, my my local call shuts at eight, so I've got to be there at five minutes to eight. <laughs> to, get, to get the markdown chicken. To get all the markdown. Otherwise, the weigh-ins won't eat. Yeah, mate, mate. If if I get to my dad's sort of, you know, age, I'll probably end up being outside calls to say, "Well, it's only been in the bin for two minutes." You know, it'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but one one of the things you actually said was an interesting one about um, Australia being the we're a small place, yeah? yeah, a small industry, but we punch above our weight. Yep. Yeah. One of the things I hear a lot about is, you know, we, 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 we sort of talked to a lot of smaller ag techs who, you know, maybe earlier stage than you, uh, than you guys. Uh, but one of the things you see is, well, if you've got a market like the USA, I don't know how many farmers are in, in the USA, but let's say shed loads. Mm-hmm. Um, even the UK, there's probably more farmers in Australia. Definitely. Mainly because they're only what acres. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in Australia, did, did you find that as a bit of a challenge? You know, developing a product that is that is good isn't enough because you don't. Do you have the groundswell yeah. in 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 Australia to actually get it really kicking goals? Yeah, no, we we didn't. Yeah, so the Australian market's too small for digital on its own for to to do what we're doing. Talking spending, you know, over fifty million bucks to develop what we have in the ten years, right? So. Too small to get a return out of the number of growers and retailers and all the parties that are on, really, because it's a long burn. So we went to South Africa and and that was interesting going there, although they they couldn't afford it, right? So you know, right. big opportunity, uh, plenty of farmers could do that really wanted, but really, you know, you, you couldn't get an economic return on a lot of it. Um, so then we go to the US. Well, the US, you have to have a US team. You have to be local, just like Australians would expect to pick up a phone and talk to an Australian. However, you want to look like, at it, that's like, what like, they like, want. Like me. Yeah, like they, <laughs> they, they go, that bloke is clearly Australian, right? So, he's, a, so, he's, a, he's a rigid ditch, true Perth, blue Aussie. He's from Sterling in Perth. I, I, so, I, tell, I, I tell you what, when, when I moved to Australia, yeah, I worked for a grain trading company in Perth and I didn't know what I was doing coming to Australia. I was like, I know I'd never really spoken to any Australians before. And you're picking up. And when you did that, when you did that, didn't understand you anyway. So. Well, when I, when I did that, if I spoke to an Australian in the UK, it was in a pub at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> with, with, with a, a drunken backpacker. Yeah. Uh, but but one of the things that used to, they used to say is, I must have. It would have happened to me once every day. There'd be a farmer phone up to the office, and I'd pick up. Hey, how's it going? Blah blah blah. Whatever company it was, I won't mention. And, and they would say, oh, well, at least you're not from Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. You know, it was, it was fine. As long as I wasn't from Melbourne, it was fine. You know, as long as I was living in, uh, in, in Perth. So, so, so you moved to the U.S. and you had to get a yeah. U.S. team? 
Yeah, US team lo localized the product. Had to get like give away my age a bit, you know. But when I was out of school, we did learn uh, pounds and uh, all that ounces and all that bushels sort of stuff. and oh, inches, you know, all that sort of thing. So bushels, shot uh, shot, yeah. shot tons. So it was a real, it was a bit of a blast back into the past. But you know, you had to localize your product. And then they have that everybody's growing a crop around the world, but they've all got their own ideas and they're all doing it a different way. And by the way, they're all right. Okay. Yeah. So everyone's so, got the best crop in the world. Everyone's yeah. the best wheat grower, most efficient. Yep. So so yeah, so it was a really different it's a really different market. There's about they say that the USDA will tell you there's a million farmers in the in the US in the in the broadacre and <coughs> and permanent crop markets or high value crop markets. There's realistically about 250,000. So compare that to Australia where in grain, on the grain side, you're probably around 20 to 22,000 farmers. Yep. But like, yeah. um, you know, it's a it's a huge, huge difference. A 10x market pretty much. So, yeah, we went there and and the, and the problem is you've got to have a lot of money because, again, it's a long burn and it's expensive, you know, and um, that's the journey. So it's very hard for ag tech companies to solve a problem, just think of auto steer. You can see straight away the result of auto steer on your property. You can see a return on that. And unless you can see that return immediately uh, and it really says, yeah, that, that's awesome for my program or for my business, if you're not solving a problem that's as powerful as that, you're in for a long burn. And, uh, and that costs money. And uh, so that that's the challenge and that's why a lot of Ag tech companies are subscale, and by subscale I mean sub one million dollars revenue, and they're burning, you know, a lot more than that, multiples of that. So um, it's a ag's an ultra marathon. Thankfully, um, we're slow to change. That's that's kind of our strength, but it's also a weakness. So um, you just got to, but but it does challenge people in their thinking, and it has challenged the investor market significantly as well. Those who are putting money in. Yep. into the industry who thought they'd get a quick return so so do you think that when uh, when when it comes to like a lot of a lot of there's a lot of new startups there's a lot of yeah. ag tech accelerators all that type of stuff uh, and do you think as part of the business plan like their priority should be well how do we scale this overseas as well if, if, if they don't think if they don't have a plan for that they're not going to succeed basically are they no they're not. Yeah, that's the short answer. You, my my advice would be read the book called Scaling Up. That is probably the best book you could apply to your business because it, it is a very good book. Um, to uh, so I think it's the Rockefeller Principles, etc. etc. But it's a very good book we we've used utilised, and it means that as you build your product, you build your systems that are replicable across what you do. And it's no different to farming. You want to build, you know, you want to scale your farming operation. Well, you need to be really efficient and you really need to systemize everything as well as analyze it and, and know what the outputs are. So um, it's just basic business principles, but a lot of people just get carried away with the idea and how big it could be. Well, you can have, realize, you, right? like you can have a great idea, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to everyone else. Well, every, a lot of people can think it's a great idea. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's they'll going to. They'll pay for it. You know, like we 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 obviously know as well. Like from our point of view, 
we, we sell information. We, we sell mm -hmm. ideas and it's quite a ferric really. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a small sort of scale of people that, you know, want to pay for that. It's, it's a yeah. limited thing. We, we, yeah. We've got a different way of looking at things. Um, look, and, and, and we consider ourselves now, after, after we did a podcast with, I think, you know, Tim Neal from, yeah. uh, uh, from, from Toowoomba. Yeah. Uh, we, after discussing that, we've decided to change this podcast into an ag tech uh, to get some of that invested money. You know, we're going to get some Silicon Valley money. We are, we've already used biodiversity, and, and I think Doug mentioned ecosystems. So they're the two of the buzzwords that, um, that, that increases the value of buy me in bucks straight away. Blockchain, AI. No, we're, we're blockchain. We're, there's millions of bucks in those. It's like, it's like bingo, right? Well, well, we well, I had another idea, Andrew. We're going to have a Shark Tank for ag tech startups, right? Oh, on right? the show. I've already got. I've already got two of the panel: Doug Fitch and Tim Neal. <laughs> they're gonna. They're, they're just gonna cut them back. To what, about, what about what about the, the four of us? Tim Neal, Doug Fitch, me, and you. Yeah. And then we'll just have a series of people and, walk, walking and away. Your mum. And my mum. That'd be a good one. Oh, hello, Andrew. Oh, that's a, the difference is, yeah. The difference is people think I'm a critical negative person, yeah. Um, and and all these people would be running away in tears, yeah. But yeah. my mother worked all her life in charities, and she's actually quite a nice person. You know, she 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 would have. Oh, I've got this idea for you know a product that is going to be blah blah blah. She said, oh, that's a lovely idea, son. You know, oh, I think I've never seen anything like that. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's lovely, lovely son. Take that, take that one away. Good. Whereas we'd be a bit more critical, I think. So, like on the voice or whatever, she'd be like the master Hines, always giving the the, the kind of punters. Some, some encouragement, and then yeah. you've got Doug Fitch and is uh, is uh, you know the and um, and Tim Neal just cutting and keeping it real. Keeping it so real. Just, just, yeah. saying, just saying, sorry, mate, you're too late. Uh, oh, you didn't, just, you, you didn't. Oh, you didn't give us a, a non-disclosure. Oh, good idea, but it's now gone. <laughs> so the, the trouble with Shark Tanker, who was putting up the money? <laughs> Uh, a, I, I got Scottish heritage, so it's going to be low from me. Straight yeah. away. Yeah, well, Tom Blish uh, and White Lord, they're not going to have much luck. Well, I'm, 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 Telstra is, is Telstra is the sponsor, so. Well, when I was saying about you know giving investors money for equity, I was actually talking in kind. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll sort of we'll we'll pull back our consultancy fee and we'll 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 just let it let it slide. But mm. no, like in terms of what would you what would your main piece of advice be to you know a burgeoning sort of ag tech in Australia? You know, some some twenty two year old you know rocket scientist who's got a fantastic idea. What would you you've been there and done that? You've twelve years in. You know you. What would the advice be to that that new startup with an idea? Uh, well, I guess the first thing is, are you passionate about it, really, or are you doing it for money? So I, I do this because I'm passionate about what I do, but you got to be passionate about it because if you're not, it's going to wear thin. Um, second thing I do is make sure that I hide an analyst straight up who's going to actually ask me the hard questions about every section of my ideas in my business plan and actually do that business plan. And 
and see if the, the real addressable market is there for not some pie in the sky number. And then you just have to work out who are the good people who you're going to surround yourself with because um, what? That's, that's what I did. Well, that's, that's a good, really smart people. Well, that's that's a good point because Martin and I were talking about this today, actually, on a completely mm, we we completely different topic, but a completely, completely different topic. It's a, it was around sort of if you get people. Martin and I always disagree, yeah, yeah, mainly because he's always no, wrong. we don't, no, we don't. <laughs> you no, know, it's ma- mainly because Matt's always wrong, yeah. So, so, but, but in all seriousness, no, like there's there's an old saying, you know. Too much conversation kills the conversation. Too much agreement, too much agreement. Kill, yeah. kills the conversation. Mm. And 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 we're always concerned when we see people who, you know, there's always this move towards. It's a it's a new age thing. It's kind of almost like the 1990s hippie hipster sort of thing. Of everything's got to be positive. Yeah, it's so everything's got to be a postcard sort of, you know, with a quote on it saying, you know, live each day like it was the best day in the world. Blah blah blah. Uh, dance but, like no one's watching like, dance like so. no one's watching <laughs> you know you know no, no one uses the, the old scottish proverb of you know enjoy your life because you're a long time dead but 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 what it, what it, this whole thing of, of you can't say you can't say anything negative whereas whereas i think if i had an idea yeah like i would want somebody to rip it to shreds yeah. And, and absolutely rip it to shreds to the point where even I'm in tears. Yeah. Uh, because then if they've ripped it to shreds, and this is what we've said a lot of times, Matt and I, we, we, if we've got an idea of something we want to do, we'll rip it to shreds and say, what's the, and if you've got something after the end of it being ripped to absolute pieces and it's lying as a tattered piece of cloth on the ground, <laughs> and you can say to yourself, that's actually all right. Mm. I've, I've lost five kilos in stress, yeah. but, and, and I don't like you anymore because uh, you're a, you're a dick but at the end of the day it's still a good idea it's still something we should move ahead with surely that's the best way to do it. and that's what you've described in a bit more eloquent fashion yeah you have to be able to put the acid test on it and not be precious right yeah um reality is in a running race only one person wins and no one cares about others who came second to eighth or whatever it is so it depends if you you're second. precious it depends if you're second and you can trip the person up you know? <laughs> so yeah that's true uh, so. so so and this is this is one of the things we, we talked to a lot of ag techs and one of the, the our piece of advice if anyone wants our advice is oh, they, do. they do well clearly clearly that's that's why there's six people listening to this just now mm-hmm. my, mine to julie my grand to david I, matt's I, hungarian I, relations I've got a hoi-boo, no i've got a hoi-boo tangent actually just quickly because i just found out this week i now, Andrew, about our 70-something podcast, right? I only found out this week that my youngest sister, so I've got three older sisters, the youngest of them, is listens to it every week, right? My sister, Liz. And um, she started listening to it because we had Warwick Long on. Then we had Warwick on a while back. And I, I'm not, I, just between us three, she's got a crush on Warwick Long, right? Because she's at the right age, right, to have a crush on Warwick Long. And well, that's so, going to stay with me. No, just don't, don't. She'd be incredibly embarrassed if, if I let that out. So I think she's got a crush on Warwick Long and she started listening after the Warwick Long podcast and hasn't stopped. I think she's gone back to a few early ones because she's put throwing in references when I spoke uh, to they're, her. They're pretty bad before Warwick's one. They were, they, they were pretty, they've gone uphill since then and that's saying something. Mm. Uh, but if, if one of the things we get 
Matt, thanks for thanks for interrupting. Uh, no, you, you uh, almost lost. It my engine almost put you off, didn't it? Of course it didn't. I'm a professional, you know. And it, the reality is that we got a lot of ag techs coming to us, like very early stage ag techs, and saying, "Oh, we want to run this idea. Can we get some advice from you?" And and one of the sort of the things I found the most sort of concerning is the number of them. And I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking like quite a lot who haven't actually got a background in agriculture. And that's, that's not an issue because you don't need an ag- a background in agriculture. But because they don't have that background, they don't necessarily have the, the, the inbuilt knowledge of it. Yeah. And so yeah. what they've, and, but at the same time, they haven't done enough research. And so like we, we obviously in our business, we've obviously got competitors. So we do research on all our competitors to see what mm-hmm. they're up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but but conversely, like we have an idea, which is an absolute fantastic idea. And you look at it and you say, great idea, guys. However, ag world production wise, you know, da, 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 like there's a, there's, a, there's a whole host of others that do it in some other way. Like you've got a great idea, but your, your unique selling point is probably, you know, out of the 10 things you've got, you've got one unique selling point. And maybe your best thing is actually to sell that unique selling point to one of the more established players. And, and, and they sort of say, oh, I hadn't heard of that company. Oh, I hadn't heard of that company. And you're sort of like, well, it's your place. It's your, it's your environment to, to sort of being. So that, that's my advice. Uh, that's, that's free of charge. If anyone takes it, you know, you owe me a beer. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, as always, uh, legal disclaimers apply uh, for what it's worth. Um, but... You know, like it's been a really interesting chat, Doug. Uh, and what what's next on the plan? You, you guys have been bought over by a Canadian or a US company? Canadian Canadian company called Semios. Yep. And um, our plan is now to Semios are big into uh, the hardware space, so yeah, from weather stations to to soil moisture probes and and uh, other types of sensors. And they do biological sprays into um, permanent crops for controlling um, oriental fruit moth and, and codling moth and so forth. So they do that. They've got a pretty, pretty unique mesh network system throughout the US that we're trying to look at. Well, how do we bring hardware and software together? Yeah. Uh, how do we get... They already have some uh, AI and some machine learning that they do in that permanent crop space. How do we bring that into some of the high value crops in Australia and, and in, then into the uh, commodity crops. And so what are, what are the tech, what's the tech that farmers need? And I think as the market rationalises, we'll find a way of, of, uh, of solving that problem. Um, so, so, it's, so it's kind of like almost a reciprocal, almost you've got different, you've got two different companies, bring them together and better than, yep. the, better than the two separate. One yeah, they are. They, they are. And, and I've got to say, when we did the deal, which took a year and 11 days. So it was quite a long negotiation. Um, it's like waiting online for Telstra to serve you or something. But um, <laughs> that would know, have been it was... 11 years and one day. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the opposite way. Yeah. But, you know, we were very, uh, you know, obviously Canadian versus Australian, fairly similar in the Commonwealth. But, but actually, from a company perspective and strategic, you know, the culture, company culture, very similar in the way they think very grower centric and I think that'll make it easy for us to to come together and to bring that that platform that uh, farmers need into the future I think that's that's we want to 
make sure the industry, their farmers are in the driver's seat of their information um, for decision-making. And uh, we've stuck to that vision and we're not going to veer away from it. So I'll be here. With the blend of the, the software and the hardware and then, and then as we start to see this better connectivity with the Starlink system, there, yeah. could be, there could be things you're finding solutions to that you hadn't even thought of yet, Doug. Yeah. I think I think there is. I think I think we've got some some good ones in in train that we're looking at, and I, I actually don't think it'll be that far away. We see a lot more robotics on farm. Uh, automated machines will become more of a thing. Uh, automated is in autonomous. Um, so I think those types of things uh, are going to come to the forefront as we get more connectivity. That's uh, and the price of it, price of that kit will come down. So uh, mm. it's a yeah, it's a it's actually a pretty exciting era to be in from that perspective. Um, I think it's pretty pretty interesting. Look, I think I think what we what we I think the reality is that as we see you know labour issues. <laughs> As we see a whole host of new issues, you know, from from high input prices, which which can be helped with technology by reducing those input costs, only applying where you need it, from from reducing labour through robotics. You know, mm. we, the biggest biggest example in ag by far is still the robotic boning rooms in in abattoirs or meatworks. Uh, but again, once that technology moves and it becomes cheaper, like as a DVD player, you know, yeah. once you, you, DVD player when you first buy it's a thousand dollars and then. Yeah. Two or, three, two or three years later, you buy Kmart for $22. Mm-hmm. So, so now, like, it's been interesting. It's been great talk, Doug. Uh, like, again, one of the things that we're lucky having at AgWatch is, is we like to get people on who've actually got an opinion and a mm-hmm. view. And, you know, and it's, and it's great to, again, it's another podcast, Matt, where we've, again, had another person with, with great views and mm-hmm. actually something to say. So, so happy that you took the time out. You know, you've it's getting it's getting probably OBH o'clock. At, yeah, very uh, close to OBH o'clock. And and so you better. better uh, get... The beers the beers run out here as well. So yeah, yeah I'm I'm running a bit low. Um, yeah. Well, well, thanks thanks for coming along, Doug. Um, mm. we'll, we'll we'll leave it there. And look, I'm sure there'll be more interesting developments in time. Uh, so so you might not want to come on. To be fair. Uh, we might have put you off uh, but if, if you do you're always welcome to, to come back and have a chin wag no I'd love to come back and, uh, and have a chat about anything which is pretty well what we've done here and I uh, really appreciate the tangents because that's kept it very interesting for, for everybody yeah, including it's been, me it's so, been good it's been good when when, uh, when West Australia um, decides to rejoin Australia and we get across there again Doug we'll have to catch up in person for a, for a proper uh, proper beer and a chat but um, it's been excellent um, listeners enjoyed it um, Annie Julie she, Shout out to her and, and uh, Mrs. Whitelaw and obviously now Liz, my sister. Um, see you when you've got nothing on. <laughs> Ciao for yeah, now. Right. Okay.